Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. to be able to, to be here and to share with you. Um, it's been a bit of a while since I've been up here um, speaking, so I'm a bit nervous, but uh, we'll be fine once we get going. Um, so yes, a few weeks ago, Phil asked me um, to speak on my favorite psalm. So first of all, how do you pick what psalm to speak on? How do you choose a favorite psalm? And so I said I um, praying and reading through the psalms and reflecting um, on what I should maybe share on. And if I'm honest with you, I got to Psalm 130, and I wouldn't have said it's it's one of my favorites. I really wouldn't have said that. But time after time, as I was praying, as I was reading through um, the book of the Psalms, this is the one that kept calling me back. This is the one that caught my eye, and I kept just landing on it. Um, and so this week, I really enjoyed sitting out in the sun, um, preparing for this, sitting out in the sun, um, just uh, getting ready for this morning. And so, um, yeah, what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to share a bit of the context around this um, just before we read it together, just so we know where, where it falls in the book of the Psalms and, and the context around it. Then we're going to read it together and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Um, Tony just asked me there if I was sharing and I said yes and he told me not to take too long. So hopefully I'll not go over time. <laughs> Keeping me humble, Tony. Um, so Psalm 130 is a psalm or a song of ascents. And so um, this is a group of psalms from Psalm 120 to 134. And so the whole idea with this is that for the Israelites, there were three main festivals in the year. There was a festival of Passover, the festival of Pentecost, and the festival of Tabernacles. And so each year, um, whenever these festivals came around, the Israelites set out on a journey towards Jerusalem. They set out to, to celebrate and to acknowledge the festival. And as they were heading towards Jerusalem, um, I've never been to Jerusalem, I'd love to go, but the city of Jerusalem is set up really high compared to the surrounding areas. And so for the Israelites, they had to ascend most of their journey. Most of their journey was uphill. And so this is how these psalms get their name, the psalms or songs of ascent. These are what were prayed or sung as the Israelites were on their journey. Um, Eugene Peterson has a book all about um, the psalms of ascent. It's a book about discipleship, and he uses these psalms kind of to unpack discipleship a little bit. And in it, um, he talks about how this ascent wasn't only a, a literal ascent towards Jerusalem, but it was a metaphorical ascent as well. This journey acted out a life lived towards God. In Philippians, Paul talks about pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. And this is what these Psalms did as the Israelites um, sang them on their journey. They were acting out this life lived towards God. And they cover many themes. They, they offer praise to God. They are prayers for blessing. They are prayers for mercy, their prayers of repentance and of surrender. But the common theme in them is that they are prayers and psalms of transition. The Israelites have set out from one place and they're heading towards another. And these are the psalms are sung on that journey. And so the reason that I'm telling you this and giving you all this context 
isn't so that you would know more about it, of course that's good, but um, it's because I recognize that for so many of us, we're in that season of transition. I know that I am, and that's probably why this psalm stood out to me so much. Even Heather spoke about being in that time of change, time of transition. And so this is why I wanted to share this with you. The Israelites used these psalms to, to sing and to pray on their journey of transition. And even if for you, you're not in that place, then I'm sure that this is a place that you have been or that you will be in the future. And so um, as you read through these psalms, right from 120 to 134, they offer support and courage and direction and even challenge. And so what we're going to do um, is read this. Uh, I'll read it out nice and slowly and you can follow along on the screen or um, in your Bible if you have it. Um, I'll read it out so we're all familiar with it and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. So Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this out one more time, nice and slowly. And so this time, you maybe did this before, because I feel like it's ingrained in us. This time, I'd like you to pay attention to the word or the phrase that stands out to you the most. And just keep note of that in your head. So I'm going to read it out again, just nice and slowly. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So what I'd love to do, sometimes we do this a collective. So girls, you'll be good at this. Uh, what I'd love you to do is to take that word or the phrase that you used. And what we're going we're gonna to do this together. So please, please, please do it. Otherwise, I'll be standing up here like an idiot. What we're going to do is I'd love you, after three, I'd love you to shout out or say that word back to me. So we're all going to do this at once, all at one time. So nobody will hear probably what your word even is. So after three, we're all going to shout it out at the same time, just back towards me. Does that make sense? Brilliant. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Okay, I thought I was going to be able to make out some of that, but I didn't get any of it. <laughs> With collective, it's a smaller number, and usually you can work it out. Um, but yes, there, there's so much that stood out in that psalm to so many of you. And this is what I love about the Word of God. Um, definitely what each of you heard wasn't the same thing, otherwise I would have been able to make that out. Um, but I love that this is the same passage that everybody heard. Everybody heard it in pretty much the same setting, maybe not for those on live stream. 
but this is the same passage. But yet, just as each of our lives vary, so does the way that God speaks to us. Each and every one of us heard a different word, heard a different phrase, a different thing stirred out to us because God speaks in a way that is relational and personal and intimate to us. Um, He doesn't just speak to whoever is up here at the front, but he speaks to each and every one of you. And so as I share this morning, my, my prayer is that hopefully God would speak through me and that some of that would resonate with you. But more than that, my prayer is that you would know that God speaks directly to you. God speaks directly to you, whether that's through something that I say, whether that's through the word or the phrase that stood out to you, or whether that's through something entirely different. God speaks to you. And if you're having a hard time believing that this morning, then maybe that's exactly what you need to hear. God speaks to you. He knows the the intricacies of your life. He knows what's going on. He he knows the thoughts that you're having. He knows the feelings that you're experiencing. And he wants to speak directly into your life. And so let's get into Psalm 130. But know that as I share, know that it's not just me saying what, what God wants me to say, but actually he can speak directly to you and into your life. And so as we read through the psalm, we see that there, um, there are two pretty stark realities. And the first of which is that suffering is real. The psalmist starts by saying, out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. In the message translation, this is put, as the bottom has fallen out of my life. Everything that was holding me together has just fallen apart. This is a prayer of anguish and despair, and it's out of the depths of suffering. And often we can find ourselves in the depths of of pain or confusion or grief or sorrow. And we read in in verse three that the psalmist himself, he's talking about being in the depths of suffering because he's so aware of the sin in his life. He says, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? He's living in a way that his body and mind is ruled by sin. He doesn't count himself dead to sin and alive in Christ, but actually it's, it's quite the opposite. Um, And Psalm 130 is a psalm that's marked by this awareness of sin and then this powerful assurance of the forgiveness of God. And often when you hear about this psalm, this is what's focused on, the, the idea of being aware of sin and the forgiveness of God. But this morning I wanted to take a broader step back and looked at this idea of suffering, the reality of suffering that the psalmist is facing. He is suffering under the weight of his sin. And so maybe for some of you, this is how you feel right now. You're aware of the reality of suffering in your life. No matter what that is, there's a pain or a confusion or a deep sorrow in your life. And this is a real place to be. We read about suffering um, all throughout the Bible. First Peter 4 says, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. First Peter 5 then says, uh, after you've suffered a little while. And then Isaiah 53, it foretells of the suffering that Jesus is going to face. It says that he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. Suffering is real. And we see this all throughout the Bible. We see it in the life of Jesus. And we see the stark reality of it in our lives, even in the world around us. But what this psalm 
so beautifully does is it offers up this experience of suffering. It offers it up to God. Eugene Peterson says this, by setting the anguish out in the open and voicing it as a prayer, this psalm gives dignity to our suffering. It doesn't try to hide it all away. It doesn't try to fix it all. It doesn't try to explain it, but it gives dignity to our experience. The psalmist presents his experience of suffering, and through this act, he invites God into the depths with him. He invites God to enter in and to sit with him. And so that's the first stark reality that we see in the psalm. Suffering is real. But the second reality that we see is this. Just as suffering is real, so God is real. And the reality of God doesn't take away from the suffering that you might be experiencing. But even more than that, the reality of the the suffering that you might be experiencing doesn't take away from who God is. It doesn't take away from, from what he's done and what he will do. In the midst of pain and sin and confusion, God is right there in the depths with us. He is real. Um, P.T. Forsyth says this. It should be on the screen. Um, he says, it'll be there somewhere. Uh, he says, God is deeper than the deepest depth in man. He is holier than our deepest sin is deep. There is no depth so deep to us as when God reveals the holiness and dealing with our sin. And so think more of the depth of God than the depth of your cry. The worst thing that can happen to a man is to have no God to cry to out of the depths. God is deeper than our deepest depths. He's not indifferent or passive or forgetful, but he's abounding in love. He's full of compassion. He is slow to anger. He's endlessly patient with us. He's forgiven and he is present in our suffering. He's present in our circumstance, no matter what that looks like. He sees what's going on. He hears our cries. He knows the thoughts and the feelings that we have. And yet he draws near to us. Whatever is going on in our lives can't take away from who God is. And so the psalmist has offered up their experience of suffering. They have spoken of how God enters into that place. Um, And now we come to these verses, verse 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. A few weeks ago, um, Cheryl spoke to us about Psalm 91. And that morning she shared about how in the first two verses, I think it was, there's four different names used for God. Um, And in this psalm, it's actually pretty similar. In these verses, verse 5 and 6, there's two different terms used for God, Yahweh and Adonai. So this is basically what it says. I wait for Yahweh, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God who keeps his promises time after time. The God who goes after his people and doesn't give up. This is who we're waiting for. And this is who we're putting our hope in. Then he says this, I wait for Adonai. More than watchmen wait for the morning. I wait for Adonai, the Lord of Lords, the one who is sovereign over all that that is and will be and has been. That is who we're waiting for. 
And I love that little phrase at the end, more than watchmen wait for the morning. I love the, the poetry and the image even that it presents. The psalmist is anticipating the dawn. The psalmist is anticipating the morning. And so I don't know if any of you have ever done a night shift. There's some nurses in the room, so they maybe have. I have had the pleasure of never having to do a night shift, and I don't know if I ever want to do one. Um, but my mum, she has done plenty. She was a nurse for years, and she did night shifts um, while my brothers and I were kids. Um, and so this week, I was, I was chatting to her a bit about this idea, um, this, this verse, and then we were talking a bit about night shift and what it is to, to wait for the morning. And so she was saying that, that each uh, day that she had to, or each evening that she had to go to night shift, that morning she would have made her bed and the thought that was going through her head was how long is it going to be until I'm getting into my bed again? She thought, I've so long to go until I'm getting into bed. And she said that, that each night as she was thinking towards her night shift, there was this sense of not really knowing what to expect, not really knowing what the night held for, what would happen with certain patients. Uh, Would they need to get the doctors down? Would they have enough staff? And she said that her prayer in the car on the way over each night was just that that they'd be able to cope with whatever the night threw at her. There was this sense of uncertainty, unexpectedness, this sense of when will I rest again? Um, And so some of you might feel like you're in that period of waiting, like you're in that night shift kind of season, not sure what the night holds, not sure what the next few weeks or months or years look like, not sure when you're going to feel at rest again, just like the psalmist, your whole being waits. But here's the thing, as my mum was doing her night shifts, no matter how unexpected the night was, no matter what happened with patients or with staff, no matter if she felt like she could cope or not, there was a certainty that the dawn would come. There was a certainty that the morning would come once again, no matter what happened in the night. Each night as she went into night shift, no matter what the night threw at her, there was a certainty that morning would come once again. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. This isn't a, a mindless kind of waiting where you just switch your brain off. But as the psalmist waits and watches, he does so with a hope, with an assurance that morning will come once again. Um, there's a, a poem that I love. Holly will be laughing at me for saying this. I'm blind. <laughs> there's a poem that I love um, by Emily Dickinson. Uh, and it says this, it says, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And I love this imagery of hope, um, almost like a little bird, hope that just perches in our soul. And no matter what's going on, no matter the circumstance, it just continues to sing. It doesn't stop at all. And we can carry this hope within us, hope for the morning, regardless of whether we're in a night season or a waiting period, we can carry this hope within us that morning will come once again. And so in this psalm, we see that, that suffering is real. And the psalmist invites God in to the depths there with him. We see that God is real and that he's entered in with him. 
he's not indifferent or passive or forgetful, but he is present in that moment. He is loving and he is patient. And through him, we can have hope that, that mourning will come once again. And so just to finish, um, I just wanted to share um, just a little bit of my experience, even over these last few months. I kind of felt like I was in this, this waiting period where all I could do was wait and watch. Um, and there was, there was different things going on. And if I'm honest, I felt a bit stuck. I felt a bit forgotten about. I felt like as I prayed that, that God either didn't hear my prayers or else maybe, maybe he was just ignoring them. That's what it felt like to me. And I felt like I was in this, the word I was using was I was in like a hallway kind of space, a liminal space. I wasn't quite in one room and I wasn't quite in the next, but I was just stuck in the hallway. I was in a waiting period. And the longer I spent in this moment, the more frustrated I got and the more unheard I felt. Um, my prayers were more along the lines of, God, would you just give me the details? Would you just fill me in? Would you just give me a bit of control? Let me know when and, and how and what the morning will look like when it comes. I just needed to be in control of it all. Um, but the more that I prayed that and the more that I felt that, the more I felt uh, frustrated and unheard. But things started to change. So cut to um, March this year. I was actually speaking in collective. Um, and I was, I was talking a bit about this verse in Philippians on the screen. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so, I don't know if this is bad to say, but if, if I'm honest, when you read this verse, it sounds like it's written by somebody who's never known what it is to worry. <laughs> who's never known what it is to, to feel anxious or to, to suffer or to be in a waiting period. Sometimes I read it and think, oh, it's useless. Don't, be, don't, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Like, I need more than that. But as I read around this verse, um, I realized that I was missing something. I realized that in all my years of, um, of reading the Bible and even of claiming that this was one of my favorite verses, I was missing something key. Because here's the thing, most of the time that you hear this verse, it starts with human need. It starts with us, it starts with me and my circumstance. Don't be anxious about anything, it's all about me and how I feel. But it doesn't actually begin with need. It begins with promise, it doesn't start with who we are and our circumstances, but it starts with who God is. Um, if you flick to the next uh, slide, just before the verse, it says this, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You could almost add a little therefore in, the Lord is near, therefore do not be anxious. That's a lot more helpful to me. <laughs> the Lord is near. And as I spoke to the collective guys about this, I realized that actually this is exactly what I needed to hear. That in my, my waiting and in my frustration and feeling unheard, that the Lord is near. And so my prayers began to shift. And with that, my, my mindset shifted and I simply began to pray. And my prayer each morning was, God, would I just know of your nearness? Each moment, would I just know of your nearness? That didn't change how much I wanted to be in control. That didn't change how much I wanted to, to know the details. 
But I just began to pray, God, would I know of your nearness? Would I know that in my, my waiting and watching that you are right there with me? And so this is my um, encouragement to you this morning. Um, there's loads of different circumstances in the room. People are facing so many uh, different cards. But for those who are experiencing that waiting period or who know the reality of suffering in your life right now, this is my encouragement to you just to pray that you would know the nearness of God in your life. And even for those who aren't, for those who are listening, maybe to equip themselves when a time like this comes, pray that you would know the nearness of God in your life. And so um, just to finish, all I'm going to do is read this psalm one more time. Um, as I do that, I just love you to, to close your eyes and again, just lean in and know that God speaks to you through this and to listen to him. Um, after I read the psalm, I'm then going to uh, pray and that'll be us done. Uh, you can head out and get your tea and coffee, but I would really uh, love to encourage you, if this is something that struck a chord in you, if you feel like you're in one of these places, like you're waiting, or like you know what it is to suffer, um, I'll be up at the front, Dave and Claire will be here, some of the elders, we'd love to pray with you, or even grab someone that you know and that you trust, and ask them to pray with you, don't miss out on this opportunity. Um, so after the service will be done, you can head out, but please uh, don't miss out on that opportunity to come up and to share and to be prayed for. So I'm just going to read this um, once more. Why don't you just close your eyes as I read out these words? Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are in the depths with us. That no matter what we face, no matter our circumstance, that you draw near. And you dwell there with us. God, we thank you that you are endlessly patient. That you are abounding in love and mercy. That you're full of compassion. That you're gentle. And that you sit with us. And so God, I just pray that each and every person in this room that we would know the nearness of your presence that we would just feel that gentle presence that gentle whisper that we would know that that we're not alone or forgotten or unheard but God that you're right there with us so father would you 
um, yeah, just draw near as we go out into our days and into our weeks. Would we go out knowing that, that you go with us? We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, wasn't too long, Tony. That's us um, done. But as I said, if you want uh, somebody to, to pray with you um, or even just to chat to you, then please, please do come up um, and grab one of us. We would really love to pray with you. But for everybody else, you can go out and get your, um, I was going to say tea and toast, no toast, tea and coffee. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk